All right. I want to start today with yet another reminder based on a new study that gun violence is dramatically worse in red states. One of the big narratives that is going to play a significant role in the 2024 election is that of violent crime and murder and guns and Republicans pointing to so-called Democrat cities and suggesting that uh, urban progressives, I guess, are responsible for violence and gun violence and crime. This is very much not true. There's a really good piece in Politico magazine called Gun Violence is Actually Worse in Red States. It's not even close. And it looks at this issue in a number of different ways. And one of the findings of the study is that gun deaths are far less common in the New York City area than in the U.S. overall, debunking one of the very often repeated claims from the right that New York City is some kind of dangerous hellhole. And the article explains that if you grew up in the coal mining region of eastern Pennsylvania, your chance of dying of a gunshot is about half if you grew up in the coal fields of West Virginia. Similar regions, relatively rural and uh, relatively conservative, but you have stricter gun laws in blue Pennsylvania than in red West Virginia, and you're much less likely to die of a gunshot. And as you read the article, whether you divide the country up regionally or state to state, you find that historically and presently blue areas are significantly safer when it comes to gun violence. It's beyond the scope of this segment to go through the entire piece with you. But it divides the country up into all sorts of different areas and looks at this in so many different ways. The Deep South has some of the highest rates of gun death among major regions, and it's one of the most conservative parts of the country. Great Appalachia has the highest rate of gun suicides among major regions, and that is a right wing area. Uh, And you go on and on and you find that this is quite frankly uh, an undeniable reality. Now, one of the important things to remember about why this isn't going to convince the deniers and we'll link to this in the description to the YouTube video, and I encourage you to look at it and check it out. And, you know, maybe it will change some minds. But one of the problems with this issue, and I've explained this before, is that, number one, violence and crime are genuinely really complicated issues that can relate to culture, but also economics gun laws, access to mental health services, so many different things. This doesn't mean we ignore any one aspect or focus on only one aspect. It just means it's complicated. But the trend line is that gun violence is much worse in red states. One of the things that will often happen is if you say, oh, the red states are where the problem is, you'll have some right wingers come in and say no. But if you look at the red states where the real problem is, is in the blue cities. And of course, by sheer numbers, it can sometimes be the case that it is worse in in cities. But when you look at rates that account for population density, it stops being the case. But then if you say, well, it's a blue city, but all the violence is in the areas represented by the conservative city councilors or whatever the case may be, you can zoom in or out strategically in order to get the outcome that you want. And that can also make this a difficult conversation to have. But the big story, which is conservatives blaming blue Democrat cities and urban gun violence on gangs and welfare queens and pretending that this isn't an issue 
in rural and conservative West Virginia or the right wing deep south or whatever the case may be, um, is simply uh, not true. One other thing, the right loves to talk about, you know, Chicago and Baltimore as these crime ridden hell holes. The truth is that even within cities that have gun violence problems, the gun violence is overwhelmingly concentrated in a few areas. Most of Chicago, most of New York City, most of Baltimore does not actually have these issues. This is aside from whether the issues relate to a particular politics or how it relates to the state or whatever the case may be. Even within these so-called dangerous cities, the violence is overwhelmingly only in certain areas. And this makes it a really difficult issue to tease out one particular cause. What we know when it comes to solving the problem is that before even, you know, just on principle, so many on the American right don't even want to consider the fact that guns, guns and gun availability may have something to do with it. And as I've said before, well, let's talk about mental health. Let's talk about culture. Let's talk about poverty. Let's talk about education. Let's talk about all those things. But we can't exclude guns from the gun problem. Guns have to be part of that discussion. And um, check out the Politico magazine piece. It's it's very, very good. Nikki Haley, who is running for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, says that it's not likely Joe Biden will live to the end of a second term if he gets one. Now, we actually have information about this, interestingly enough. Let's listen to what Nikki Haley said. I think there's a few issues here. You know, he's announced his. Um, you know, that he's running again in 2024. And I think that we can all be very clear and, and say, with a matter of fact, that if you vote for Joe Biden, you really are counting on a President Harris because the idea that he would make it until 86 years old is not. Um, is not something that I think is likely. It's why I've continued to say we need to have mental competency tests up until the state, you know, starting at 75, just to make sure that these people deciding our national security, deciding our economic policy, deciding what happens to our kids in schools. At okay, all right, you get she wants meant. So for two different things, if her concern is Biden won't live to 86, what does that have to do with mental competency? It's sort of like a confused thing. But this is the most interesting part of this. The numbers suggest Nikki Haley is wrong. There are what are called actuarial tables, which tell you at a certain age, how likely are you to die in the following year? And what is your expected um, remaining years of life? If we look at the Social Security actuarial tables, which are for men and women, the left column here is for men, an 82 year old man is expected to live almost seven years. Statistically, you know, it's sort of a throwaway to Nikki Haley. Obviously, she has the numbers on her side. Well, she doesn't. Statistically, if Joe Biden makes it to 82 and gets elected, the expected outcome is he does live to 86 and finishes the term. Now, one of the things you have to understand when you look at these tables, this is sort of it's math that is beyond the scope of this segment, is that when you add a year of life, for example, uh, when you go from being 40 to being 41, you've lived a year, but you've only lost about 0.8 years of life expectancy. And part of this is that the longer you live relatively, your life expectancy goes up, obviously not in absolute terms. It's not that you've lived a year and now you're expected to survive 13 additional months. 
that would be what some in the longevity community call um, longevity escape velocity, which is way beyond what we're talking about here. But the point here is part of this is making it to 82 already confers some idea of health. And so you are then expected to make it to 86 and actually it would be 88 and something 88.7, even if that's beyond life expectancy at birth. This is all beyond what we're talking about here. The point is, isn't it funny when they're clueless as well as running really stupid campaigns? Nikki Haley making no impact whatsoever. And the best she can seem to do right now is I wouldn't expect Biden to survive to the end of a second term. Not really a great reason to go and vote for Nikki if she's not actually putting out some kind of policy package that makes any sense to anybody. So Nikki Haley, as usual, making a fool out of herself. Donald Trump had a normal one the other day, uncontrollably posting absurd videos to Truth Social. Truth Central. This seems to be the latest thing where Trump is using Truth Social almost like a video blog where anytime something just happens, he has to go and record a video and post it. I'm just going to show you what was posted within just a few hours to give you a sense of the way that this is all working. Here's a video corruption at the highest level. It was just revealed that the 51 intelligence officials who claimed Hunter Biden's laptop from hell <laughs> was Russian disinformation were not only lying, they were coordinated by the Biden campaign itself. This so obsessed with Hunter Biden. Recording videos on a whim to try to go after Hunter Biden, continuing to present no viable policy package for his presidency it was corruption at the highest level. And it was a hoax perpetrated by Biden, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and partisan intelligence officials to cover up the truth about the Biden crime family's grotesque influence peddling and corruption. OK, so everything he's saying here is false. It's a lie. It's made up. And again, just recording these videos on a loop moments later with a video about the fake news for all of those media fools who say everything was on the up and up with the 2020 presidential election and then got on to report about 51 intelligence agents that wrote a letter spreading disinformation about Hunter Biden's famous <laughs> laptop computer, knowing it was fake and treasonous <laughs> just days before the election. You have committed. All right. I, I'm not going to play all of this for you. I'm just giving you a flavor. It's uncontrollable. Then another video about who the hell even knows what. It turns out that Joe Biden and the Biden White House knew everything about the unconstitutional raid by the FBI and DOJ on Mar-a-Lago. No evidence that this is true either. Despite their unequivocal denial, they denied it. They said, we know nothing about it. We know absolutely nothing about it. We would never do such a thing. They lied. All right. So then there's another. Again, it's just he's doing like a video blog, um, then posting a piece of an interview from Newsmax. But they are very good at two things, disinformation and cheating on elections. That's what they do. You saw the disinformation with this new revelation that this was incredible, that 51 intelligence agents totally lied. I think it's treason. They totally lied just before the election, right before the vote. 
They lied and they said that the computer, which had all crimes on it, was Russian disinformation. The computer had crimes on it. So this is happening almost 24 hours a day at this point in time. Think about where we have gotten in 2023 on the cusp of a major presidential election, a very, uh, very much contested Republican primary. You have Joe Biden doing things and announcing a reelection campaign that admittedly many Americans don't want, but he is functioning as a president, accomplishing things. And Donald Trump sits at his house recording 30 to 50 second video blogs about conspiracy theories he either misunderstood or just as blatantly lying about. That's the contrast that we have. My real hope, and I say this as a non Biden cheerleader, if this race comes down to Biden versus Trump, a rematch of 2020, which would be an incredible uh, situation in American history, I hope Trump genuinely gets crushed and then we can say goodbye to Trump's political career once and for all. That would really be a delightful outcome if that that's where this ends up. If it ends up being Marianne Williamson versus uh, Ron DeSantis, okay, well, then that'll be a different situation. But if it's Biden, Trump, if that's the if the rematch narrative is the one that ends it ends up being the, the reality. I want Trump to really get crushed and to say sayonara to his political career. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with much more right after this. As I've mentioned before, I supplement my diet with vitamins every day. I've tried different methods. None have been simpler or more cost effective than just a daily scoop of AG one from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. With the one scoop, I get the 75 high quality vitamins and minerals from whole food sources that I want. I'm covered for the day. I'm not messing around with different vitamin capsules. And then some have 200 and some have 180. So they run out at different times. And it's a mess. It's a mess. This is simple. The taste is good. You can put it in water, juice or shakes. Each serving is under three bucks a day. Compare that to what all of the individual supplements would cost you. And it just makes sense. Simplify your life by starting the day with a scoop of 75 high quality nutrients. When you go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman, you'll get a free year supply of vitamin D. I've talked about vitamin D before and five free travel packs of AG one. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. If you're looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift, our sponsor Aura Frames creates incredible ultra quality digital frames for displaying pictures and videos. You can preload the frame with your favorite memories, pictures, videos for mom to see when she opens it up. 
You can update it with unlimited photos and videos from anywhere using the Aura Frames app. No fees ever, no limits on storage. Aura Frames was voted the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, the strategist and Wired magazine. My mom loves the frame I gave her. I also have an Aura Frame in my house. When we were just traveling, I was able to immediately add pictures which pop up on my mom's frame. And I've noticed the photos look like real prints, such high resolution, and the display is calibrated so that you can not even tell it's a screen. Aura Frames has an awesome Mother's Day deal for my audience. You'll get up to $30 off their best selling Carver mat frame and free shipping. Go to AuraFrames.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's A U R A frames.com slash Pacman. Use code Pacman for $30 off the Carver mat and free shipping. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show is a community supported program. This is as good a time as any to suggest to you that if you'd like to support the work we do, you can sign up at joinpacman.com. It's very cheap, it's very quick, and it comes with great benefits, including access to the daily bonus show, commercial free audio and video streams of the show and invitations to member only town hall events. Very exciting stuff. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code indicted to get a discount. Let's now take some phone calls. We're going to hear from people in the audience. We do this via discord. They're not really phone calls, but sometimes it's kind of like hard to explain what they are if I don't say phone calls. So I just call them phone calls. But you go to davidpacman.com slash discord. And uh, that's where it's all happening. All right. Let's go with Adrian from Wyoming and hear from Adrian first today. Adrian, what's going on? Hi, David. I have a question for you about um, what Joe Biden cares about, because I know there's kind of a maxim about if presidents really care about certain issues, they'll do more. And I'm wondering how you think he's done regarding trans rights, especially in the wake of uh, the potential expulsion of a Montana state senator today. I don't know exactly what's going on with that. I did not see that story, but let me address that. You know, here's here's the thing with all of these issues. So often this debate starts about has the president done enough or not on a particular issue? And then subsequent to that, the question becomes, how much can a president do about that particular issue? And when it comes to trans issues, the unfortunate reality is that a lot of this stuff is determined at the state level. Now, you could say, well, there should be some overarching federal law protecting trans people. But we already know from experience with other issues related to gender and sexual orientation that that often is not something that happens or happens quickly. So I I have to admit, I don't know the full scope of what Biden could do federally to best evaluate how what kind of a job he's done, if that makes sense. Right. And I personally, I'm, I'm right with you there. I realize that in a deadlock Congress, there's very little that's potentially going to get done, especially with the red meat that this issue unfortunately provides to the Republican base. Absolutely. Uh, I just think I just wonder and uh, just wanted to hear your perspective uh, symbolically, like, like for when he invited the Tennessee three over earlier, I believe this week, 
um, and just hosting more events or just talking a little bit more about those kind of issues, just from that kind of perspective. Because I realize legislatively that he's kind of deadlocked and not much may get done. But I appreciate your thoughts on. Well, listen, I uh, mean, okay, so Biden could sign executive orders and and direct federal departments to uh, enact certain policy protections. Okay, so I don't know that he's done a ton of that. He can use the bully pulpit to talk about the issue. I think he has. I mean, he brings up trans issues at many speeches, so I think there he's doing okay. He can appoint Mm -hmm. officials in his administration who are defenders of trans rights. And I think mostly he's done that. He certainly hasn't appointed anyone I'm aware of who's hostile or indifferent to trans rights. So that's okay. Um, And then he can sort of like push state and local governments to do one thing or the other. But the unfortunate reality is the state, the state governments that would listen to Biden are already doing pretty well when it comes to protecting trans people anyway. And the state governments that are aggressively persecuting trans people aren't going to care what Joe Biden says anyway. So, you know, I think he's doing okay, but he could always do more. Yeah, I fully agree. Um, I really appreciate it um, because I know that uh, my ex home, my ex state where I went to college in Minnesota, they're they took a big step. Everyone's either taking big steps up or big steps back. And it's just very unfortunate to see right now. So I appreciate you taking the call. Um, Thanks for your perspective. Hope you have a great day. All right. Thank you. There is Adrian from Wyoming. Let's go next to Genio from Chester. Is this Chester Springs? Yes. Genio from Chester Springs. Welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Hi, uh, Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Love it. That's us. Um, I'm surprised I got picked. Um, Thank you. Um, So my question is, my first question is, I've always wanted to ask you, big fan for a long time. Do you listen to Howard Stern? You know, I've I've been a listener since I was like age 14. But if I'm totally honest, since the pandemic started, I've barely listened at all. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you got to start listening. I mean, part of it is I I no longer have serious radio. So I know that a bunch of the like the interviews get posted to YouTube or whatnot, but I don't have serious anymore. I understand. I understand. Well, Howard does wonderful interviews, just like you do. That's why I asked, because um, I feel like he's one of the best interviewers and his interviews have gotten better over the past few years. I agree. Um, And I find that you are a wonderful interviewer as well. So I thought maybe you had some inspiration. I agree that he's a great interviewer and I appreciate the compliment, but I, I, I have not had the pleasure of listening much lately. Now, let me ask you this. For a while, he was like down in his house in Florida doing the show remotely. Is he back in the New York studio? You know what? I think he's still um, he's still fully remote. He's very, very anxious about covid. And yes. he's like just getting out like he talks about it almost on a daily basis. He's just getting out and like meeting friends and he's still like very worried about it. And um, but I I. I could be wrong, but I think he's still in his studio in the Hamptons and his studio in Florida. Got it. Fair. He is. But yeah, I think he's remote still. But he has like he's had some really good interviews and that they um, when he has musical guests, they go to the serious studio in New York, I believe. All right. Very good. Well, let's uh, let 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 me not take time away from your question. I have one other question. Um, How do you feel about um, and I might have missed it here and there about your feelings on Israel and the Israeli government, because as I'm a 
you know, a Jewish American and I want to support Israel, but I have really hard feeling, I have a hard time supporting Israel, knowing some of the things that they're doing to Palestinians. And I just wanted to know, like, what your feelings on that is. I have certainly dozens of clips about this. I mean, my view is that I am 100 percent opposed to these right wing Israeli governments, Netanyahu, et cetera. Uh, I'm against uh, illegal settlements. I would like to see the blockade with Gaza ended. And I also recognize that it's simply not going to end until there are either certain concessions or assurances that come from Hamas, which is extraordinarily unlikely. And it's it's such a complicated issue, Genio. But I think I'm often attacked as being a shill for Israel. And a lot of that is unfortunately just because I'm Jewish and it's disappointing to see that when it comes to policy. If you look at I've probably done it 10 times now, if you look Mm -hmm. at my policy idea for how to resolve the conflict, I think it's it's quite fair and both sides could probably find issue with it. But I think there's one other important thing. One of the things Mm -hmm. that's unfortunate is there's a standard applied to Israel when it comes to, quote, supporting the country, which might include like even going on a trip that no one applies to other countries, which I would like to see changed. Like, for example, if people very few people see like, for example, I went to England when Boris Johnson was the prime minister. I didn't support Boris Johnson, but to say I won't go there because it's an endorsement of Johnson. I don't agree with that. And yet, like when I went to Israel, people wrote to me saying, how could you? You're supporting settlements. You're supporting Netanyahu because you're there. That is like never really applied to other countries. And I would like to see that applied a little more fairly. People came to the U.S. when Trump was president. Didn't mean they supported Trump. You, You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I also feel like people because, I, you know, we're Jewish, people feel like we have to support Israel. And I support Israel as a country and I support the people who live there, but I don't support the government, just how people would support the United States, but they nef- that wouldn't necessarily support Trump. As and I'll go further than government. that, Genio. I'll go even further. Not only do Jews not have to do anything in particular when it comes to supporting yeah. or defending or attacking Israel, um, American Jews also have no reason to even be answering the questions about Israeli foreign policy. I was once at a brunch a couple years ago and met someone for the first time, and they started putting me in the position of having to explain to them about this, that or the other thing about Israel. And it's like I've been there once in my life. I'm from Argentina. I've lived in the United States the vast majority of my life. I happen Mm -hmm. to be Jewish, but it's it's kind of weird to put me in a position of having to defend or explain anything about Israel. Ask Israelis, you know? Yeah, that's so, so true. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your response. All right. Genio from Chester Springs beautifully asked. uh, Let's see, where are we going next? Oh, remember, if you want to get on, your name needs to be name and location or location and name, however you want to do it in whatever order you want to do it. Like, for example, Connor from New Jersey is our next caller today. Connor, That's what's right. going on? Hi, David. Hello. You, oh, you already told us not to ask how you're doing. Um, I, <laughs> I have I have a question, but I wanted to pass on words of affirmation for starters. Please. I've been following you for a little while now, like I, honestly, solidly since the Trump arrest was announced and all that. You remember me calling in the day prior? I was like, I don't think he's going to get arrested, but you don't have to remember. Okay. My whole point is I've been following you 
And honestly, I, I grew up in like a more Republican conservative house and I might have those views. Honestly, I don't even know where I fall politically, but listening to you, I just feel like you are so well thought out. So your methodology of breaking down issues is just so solid. And I wish that there was more people that claim to be conservative or Republican that could be so, again, well thought out. I mean, like you're inspiring to me. Like, I hope that I could help change the perspective on conservatism. Or well, I appreciate like, that very much. You know, you. Evo, you know, move the Republican Party forward and help open discussion and not have it be this closed sided debate between the two parties. I mean, I really think it's possible. I, I, young people have to say enough is enough. I mean, I'm not against trans people. I'm, I support gay rights, but I still call myself conservative. I, really? mean, I don't even know what that means at this point. Yeah. But all I know is I want change. I want people to stop picking sides and actually have these sides working together for a bipartisan solution. What issues are you conservative on? I don't really know. Honestly, I think it's more so of just like how I carry myself, really. Hmm. So I don't know. I, uh, to be fairly honest with you, I've just grown up in an atmosphere that was like that. And so I you might, might not even really be, as, it sounds like you're sort of culturally be I think conservative because of culturally your environment. conservative, but politically, I might lean more Democrat or left, whatever yeah. you want to call it. And um, honestly, I really wish that people didn't see how I carried myself and thought that was how I carried my political views. Interesting. But at the end of the day, I, I find you really inspiring. And I want to know how can you, uh, what can you suggest to people like me who follow you and want to help, you know, bring more discussion in the world? or at least in the United States when it comes to really stupid issues that have been around since the 60s. Well, I think it's just engage and talk to people and share your story and say, hey, you know, I kind of defaulted to a particular worldview just by virtue of where I was born. But right. the more I examine a lot of these issues, I come to to realize maybe I was wrong about some of these things. And I think that there's it's really powerful to hear from people on one's quote side, as trite as that may be, and say, hey, yeah, I am from the same place you are. I was raised the same way, but I've been able to actually get some distance and get some facts and I've revised my view. You can do the same thing and there's no shame in that. I think that can be very powerful. And I guess one thing I want to ask you before you get to more people, David, is do you like personally, I don't think I should switch to becoming a Democrat. I think I should be trying to help bring the Republican Party forward, even if I don't vote Republican. I think the people that I'm around, I should try to help open their minds to these discussions and help it not be so hard for people on the left. If I really empathize with both these positions. Yeah, I like that I, I, you know, I don't know that it really matters whether you're registered one way or the other. I mean, right. it's it's I don't think that that's the most important thing one way or the other. Your story is still the same story, regardless of, you know, your mm -hmm. party or affiliation, I think. So just keep doing me and hope to open more discussion, I guess. That's what just I would say. Yeah. Thank you, David. Honestly, you've been awesome to listen to this this short while. All right. Truly thank inspiring. you. Connor thank from you. Jersey. Great to hear from you. Very, very interesting uh, message. That's for sure. Let's go to Miranda from where is Miranda from? Is it San San Diego? So I see S.A. Miranda from uh, S.A. Texas. OK, where is S.A. Texas? Miranda. San Antonio. San Antonio. Got beautiful. Great to have you on. David. Miranda, you. you're on the air, but it seems as though your connection leaves a little bit to be desired. Let's see if we can hear you if you try to say something. Can you hear me better? Yes, I can. Okay, awesome. 
So I wanted to ask you, um, what are your thoughts? I read an article recently um, with the local news about Ted Cruz and how he's basically a shoe in for his Senate seat. It's up for re-election next year. And I just wanted to know if you, how you felt about Ted Cruz and um, basically they're saying there's really no competitors to that seat. And it's kind of disappointing. You know, I did love Beto and I, you know, did a bunch of rallies with him and went out there, met him, talked to him so many times. And I really wish that he would run again. I don't know if he would win um, because he has lost, you know, multiple times, but I would love if he ran again. I haven't really heard of anybody else. No. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of anybody or if you have any hopes. Well, I always have hopes. It would always be a delight to see Ted Cruz defeated. You're correctly assessing that Beto was one of the toughest challengers that one could have in a Texas race. And Cruz is up for reelection next year. I've not heard that Beto is looking at running. There's I can't think of anyone else for whom there is more enthusiasm and Beto also was not successful. So that is a question when you say, well, even someone as popular and well liked as Beto was not able to win. Is there anyone who could defeat Ted Cruz? I don't know. You know, it's a, I'm I'm kind of withholding judgment and we've still got some time and it would be a great thing. But obviously, if I'm totally realistic with you, uh, it's it's going to be a tough one to 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 win for sure. Right. Yeah. And I agree. And, you know, that reading that article was just kind of like so disappointing because yeah. I don't understand how he's so, you know, well liked in certain areas. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I don't understand how anybody could be for Ted Cruz. I mean, I don't really know what he's done for us, but, you know, I get it. Everybody has their people that they like. So I'm just hopeful that maybe Bethel will come forward and run again or we can soon hear of somebody, you know, great running. I'm with you. I'm with it would be I mean, I obviously eventually Ted Cruz will no longer be in the Senate, either because he will die or he will quit or he will lose. Um, I would love to see it be because he loses. That would really be a great thing. Um, But let's see who presents themselves. Let's see who shows up to face him in 2024. Thanks so much, David. I really appreciate it. All right. Miranda from San Antonio. Great to hear from you. Let's take the quickest of quick breaks. But if you're on the phone, hang on, because I'm going to get right back to calls in a moment. One of our sponsors is Shortform. Shortform makes the world's best guides to nonfiction books. And not only does Shortform summarize each nonfiction book itself into key points that you can cover in just a few minutes, they have all sorts of interactive exercises to help you apply the ideas to what you've read to retain more. The guide to each book also includes intellectual insights, comparing and contrasting the book to other prominent books about the same topic so that you can contextualize the book and understand the controversies and the disagreements. They also have books across every nonfiction genre from economics and politics to science and health. I was recently checking out James Clear's Atomic Habits on short form. Of course, they have the guide, but they also have highlights. They also include other similar books about habits and developing a routine with differences and similarities. Super, super useful and a lot more than just a summary of the book. There are new guides and articles released every week and short form is giving my audience a free trial 
plus 25% off a subscription, which is a $50 value. So for the price of a book per month, you get access to thousands. Go to shortform.com slash Pacman. You can find the link in the podcast notes. Let's get back to Discord and hear from some more people in the audience. That's davidpacman.com slash Discord. Let's go to James from Southern California. James from Southern California, welcome to the program. What is on your mind today, sir? Thank you very much, David. Are you able to hear me okay? I can hear you beautifully. Um, I want to start by thanking you for everything you do. I really appreciate uh, all you've done over the years on your program. Um, I, uh, I have a comment and I have a question. Sure. One comment I want to make uh, regarding the people with the MAGA mentality, uh, I really want to encourage everyone to be patient with these folks because we can get through to them. I've had a lot of success, and I think the approach I use is very important in remembering that they do live in fear to some extent. They very much have an us and them mentality. Oh, yeah. And if you can establish that you are one of them and we are us, they will listen to you. And as long as you don't tell them they're wrong, but simply give them information, but build from the bottom up, remembering they're, they're ignorant, like little children, um, and you need to use terms and concepts. And once you have them on their, your side and they're agreeing with you, you can start correcting the misinformation that's in their head and help them kind of rebuild their view of reality. I don't disagree uh, with that one takes- bit. It takes a lot of patience. Yes. And I really want to encourage people to go out to friends, family members who are frustrating you and try to approach them as they are a little child. Well, here's the thing, James, everything you're saying is correct. The important thing to remember is that's like a retail strategy person by person. And it's insanely time consuming. Doesn't mean we don't do it, but it is insanely time consuming. We also want to see is there some wholesale approach that might deprogram larger numbers of these people? And that's a tougher question to answer. It is indeed. But uh, I believe we need to approach this from the grassroots because we all have a friend or family member that we are probably avoiding. Instead, we need to help them. Right. Uh, we need to help our community. And I think it's a big part. It's, it's on us. Uh, rather than letting it happen, we need to be patient and take the time. And yes, it is time consuming, but it does work. It can be done. I, I have faith in that. And I just wanted to make that comment Fair. because many of us are feeling a little hopeless, but don't give up on it. You know, take that stand. Anyway, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, I was wondering, what do you think the uh, odds are of Tucker Carlson ending up on Newsmax? That's a good question. You know, I have I have no idea. I don't think I have anything substantive or objective that I could say. Could Tucker Carlson end up on Newsmax? I know the CEO of Newsmax, interestingly enough. He, he's kind of like a fan of my work, interestingly, even though our, our political views are very, very different. Um, he is at heart a business person. And so without a doubt, if I had to bet, I would bet that he's looking to see what could happen maybe with Tucker Carlson on Newsmax. My Mm -hmm. instinct is that it would be neither prestigious nor lucrative enough for for Tucker Carlson uh, to join. I think Tucker Carlson would have more to gain from launching his own thing from scratch. But uh, it's not impossible. It's not. I don't know where Tucker's going to end up. Yeah, I don't either. I'm worried about that. I was just wondering about your take on that. Well, thank you so much, David. I really appreciate everything you do for us. My pleasure. James from Southern California. 
Very, very good to hear from you. Why don't we go next to Bert in New Jersey? Bert in New Jersey, welcome to the David Pakman show. Hey, jumping right in again, uh, calling you for another Wednesday when I'm pretending to be on work calls. So, all right. Um, I want to ask you, um, I think it was a Rolling Stone magazine reported it a couple weeks ago that when Trump got arraigned, he had the option to do it over Zoom from Mar-a-Lago and not go into uh, Manhattan. I don't know if you heard anything about this, whether or not that's true, because if it is, that's significant where, you know, he complains about New York City spending all this money and everything all could have been avoided. The circus could have avoided had he done that. I am not aware that Trump was given the opportunity to be arraigned via Zoom. Uh, let's see if I search for that Trump arraignment via Zoom opportunity. Um, fact check. Did Trump refuse arraignment over Zoom from Mar-a-Lago? Um, there was a tweet posted about that. What is the verdict? Um, unnamed sources only and no actual verified evidence. So at this point, it is at best an unverified claim. So it, I mean, listen, either way, I've not seen anything verified that Trump could have stayed at Mar-a-Lago. What I do know is that that court was not doing anything over Zoom for a while now. Now, whether they would have made a special ex exception for Trump, maybe. But Trump said he wanted the whole pomp and circumstance. He wanted to be handcuffed. He wanted a mugshot, supposedly, because he thought it would help him. So I don't know if any of that's true. I can't imagine Trump would have wanted to do it by Zoom. Yeah, interesting uh, thing to follow just in case that turns out to be true. And yeah. then uh, one more question too. Heard you on the Patrick Bet David podcast. Yeah. Love that. Uh, you know, thought it was great. I, it's it's so such a breath of fresh air to hear instead of just the typical cable news propaganda, you have two people with conflicting ideologies like recognize each other's logic. Right? It, it's so rewarding to hear. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know about Sometimes there wasn't much logic, I have to tell you, Bert, but I know what you're saying, at least hearing there the were, rationale. Yeah, yeah. there were instances where he was forced to kind of nod his head and go, oh, OK, you know, I, I, have no, I have no rebuttal for that. Yeah. Right? And those, those are those are critical key moments. Um, question I have, and I think all your audience members is also wondering, too, when are you going to sit down and do round two with Ben Shapiro? Because we would love to see <laughs> we Ben Shapiro hasn't been on, I think, for like 10 years. We've invited him multiple times. He never responds. And, you know, he doesn't have any responsibility to me. He's 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 way bigger than I am. And he may be just too busy for me. And that's totally fine. But we've invited him a bunch of times. It's up to him when we sit down again, not up to me. I'm willing to do it any time. Awesome. Awesome to hear. All right. Thanks, Bert from Jersey. All good questions. Very important stuff and different things going on. Let's go to Marcus from. Is it Manitoba? Or or Matt, uh, Manitoba, yeah, Marcus from Manitoba. Welcome to the program. David, sir, yes, yes, it is from Manitoba. In fact, what's on uh, your mind? Yeah, today? I'm coming to you with. Hmm? Yeah, yeah, and I'm coming to you uh, with tears in my eyes over this latest news from Fox News that uh, their star Tucker Carlson has been booted right here, and I I'm wondering just how it got to the point where this guy uh, is was just sort of being given the platform to say some of like the most extreme and even within like the circles of American conservatism, uh, quite unpopular things, like 
seemingly just without any reprimand from the organization he was working for. You're saying how did how was Tucker able to say the things he said without being reprimanded by Fox? Well, I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, how did Fox News not realize that the things that Tucker Carlson, as well as, you know, their other hosts were saying, were going to get them sued eventually? Well, it's more complicated than that, because the most of the trouble that Tucker caused for Fox is not really related to the things he said. Yes, he played coy with the Dominion and 2020 election stuff, and that was part of the lawsuit. But it was less about what Tucker himself was necessarily saying. The lawsuit for discrimination from a staffer, former staffer, doesn't relate to what Tucker said on air. The potentially forthcoming lawsuit from Ray Epps would, but we'll have to wait and see whether that's filed. So I think it's a little more complicated than that. I mean, Fox's primary concern is ratings and Tucker had good ratings. So that's fundamentally the most important thing. I guess so. Yeah, that's true. But I suppose more broadly, I'm I'm just kind of wondering, like, who Tucker Carlson's audience is. Apparently he has a huge audience, Um, but like. The things he was saying, especially about like Russia and Ukraine, like it's it's not something that like any of the other like mainstream, well, certainly not mainstream Republicans, but even uh, it, it's not like a, it, it's it's the it, he's taking the Russian position. He has said that he is like pro Putin, essentially. Yeah, he and, didn't say that, but he certainly made some strange comments about it. Listen, his audience is well, is right wingers, and there's a desire for this contrarian sort of MAGA style right wing ism, which often ends up using populist rhetoric and being a little more deferential to global authoritarians than you might think. So, in that sense, it's not that out of left field. I guess so. One of my favorite sort of tropes that you see on the very far right, um, you know, among uh, people like like Matt Gates and such, which he kind of uh, was, was demonstrated in that one uh, meeting of him in that one, that one clip where, where he uh, used uh, Chinese propaganda as evidence that uh, the U.S. was funding the Azov Battalion in Ukraine, not realizing that it was Chinese propaganda. And then was embarrassed when he was because like, um, well, or when it was shown to him that it was Chinese propaganda. And yes, that absolutely that absolutely did happen. But that that's a bit of a different topic. Marcus, thank you so much for the call. I'm going to move on because I've got a bunch of people waiting, but you certainly covered a gamut of issues. And I really do. Uh, I really do appreciate that. Let's go to Andy from Sweden. Andy, welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? And please unmute yourself, Andy, so that we can hear you. Hello, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. I'm a big fan from Sweden, and uh, I have a question to you in two parts, if sure. that's okay. Yeah, of course. Uh, who is your favorite chess player? <laughs> My favorite? I, I don't have a favorite chess player. I, I, uh, I'd have to. Th- I don't know. I don't think I have just one. I don't okay. think I have Are any, you- honestly. <laughs> Uh, are you watching the world championship? I have not. I have not. I've been so busy. What's going? Is anything notable happening? I mean, it's very tight, uh, very tight right now between Nepomniachtchi from Russia and uh, Ding Liren from China. Okay, and, I, I'll uh, try to I'll try to follow a little bit if I can. It's uh, you can you can watch on chess.com. Uh, they have a stream right now. Beautiful. Uh, and the second part is, who do you think is the best chess player in Washington in terms of you know in in Congress and in the Senate? 
I have absolutely no idea. Do any of them even play <laughs> chess? I have no idea. Maybe they play 40 chess. Right, right. Okay. okay, thank you. Andy from Sweden, thank you. I uh, very much appreciate that. Let's end there and not press our luck. We will take calls again and we will do so next week. We will take a break and be back right after this. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. But switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get into Friday feedback where we hear uh, from some of you your messages across different platforms. You can email info at davidpacman.com. Feel free to leave a comment on YouTube. It might be featured here or post something to the subreddit. Really, whatever you prefer. First one is from Wolfie. Wolfie says, Mr. Pacman, hello. I've been watching your content nearly five years since Trump's bizarre presidency. But I do have a <laughs> bizarre, yeah. I do have a question to ask you. I'm okay with your opinion and I'd rather keep it between us. Well, I, I don't do that. It's all either on the air or, or not at all, but we'll keep you anonymous. What is your view on LGBTQ, same sex marriage, and the whole things relating to it? I am a gay male, but I think as an outcast, it's totally getting kind of corporate. Anyway, just wanted your opinion. I mean, you can share it on YouTube, but I'd rather remain anonymous. Good. You, we are keeping you anonymous. Wolfie could be anybody. Uh, my views on uh, LGBTQ, same sex marriage and all of it. I have been a staunch uh, and powerful ally for the LGBT community for as long as I've been doing this show. Uh, I've been an advocate for gay marriage for as long as I've been doing this show. These these aren't even controversial or contentious issues for me. Um, and we have been following the evolution of the political and social narrative around those issues for more than a decade and a half on the show. And so there are probably hundreds of videos that I have done on the subject. There are also for newer viewers or, or listeners of the show at least a couple dozen interviews that I've done over the years with overt, rancid homophobes of different kinds and flavors and sorts. And more recently, as I'm sure people who have been following the political discourse are aware in the United States, the homophobes have shifted towards transphobia and focusing on the trans community. You know, there's a movement on the right which loves to say 
there is no more hyper represented group in the United States than LGBT folks. You've got a, you know, a pride flag at the United Nations. There's pride parades. There's uh, everything. Gay pride month. This is a group that is so overrepresented relative to their size in the population. You know, the counterpoint I would make to that is this is a group on whom there is so much focus because for decades the right just can't leave folks alone and has activated. First, it was we need to defend marriage. Remember when that was the whole thing? Then all of a sudden there's gay marriage. We've had it for years. Everything's fine. Nothing bad has happened. Now the focus is on trans people. So to those who say it's an overrepresented movement relative to its population, it, the obsession seems to be coming from the right and from those who want to take rights away. All right, Wolfie. So I hope that that's I hope it's clear and I hope I'm uh, kind of giving you a, a, a perspective on my views. Eleanor wrote in from California about MAGA preppers. This is interesting. Eleanor says, hey, David, I fell down a right wing rabbit hole and noticed some alarming things. MAGA Twitter feeds are filled with ads for survival gear for the end days after they defeat the left in the Civil War. They're advertising pamphlets on how to protect yourself legally if you shoot someone, self-defense laws, etc. Fascinating and terrifying at the same time. So this is this is an interesting thing. Prepping has a religious component for some. Now, I want to be really clear. Don't email me saying the preppers aren't only religious right people. I know that there is non-religious right wing prepping and there is also left wing prepping. I, I, I understand that I'm a very casual prepper myself. Very casual. I have like a can of tuna under the desk taped in case there's ever an emergency. I can pull it out and just eat it. I guess I'd need a can opener, but I'll deal with that later. Um, but there has been a history of religiously oriented prepping. In the Mormon faith, prepping is a big thing, but also in evangelical uh, Christian circles, there's been shows like the Jim Baker show and others. Alex Jones products have had a prepping aspect to it that is maybe a little less overtly religiously based, but but it's still there. So that's not surprised at all. What they've done recently is they've just shifted the reasoning. 10, 12 years ago, a lot of it was like the rapture. Uh, you've got to be prepared for the apocalypse. And when all of that happens, you're going to want to have this food storage. Now it has shifted a lot to, you know, there's this Marxist dystopia that we're heading towards where there will be no food availability. Or if we have another pandemic, the liberals will shut down the food supply. So you better have it. So the language has changed around it. But there's actually MAGA prepping is just the latest sort of outcropping or protuberance of what is a much larger right wing and often religiously oriented prepping community. And when they add in the gun elements to it, it is it is certainly scary stuff. Graham wrote in and says, hey, David, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed a nice break. Guess your uh, your guest hosts did an excellent job as always. And Graham goes on to say, I'm sure it hasn't escaped your attention, but I noticed the following. Your YouTube subscribers right before the right wing hate mob, 1.66 million. Your YouTube subscribers after the right wing hate mob, over 1.69 million. Seems that went well for them, eh? Exactly as I said in the previous message, 
the whole thing created noise and it probably made a bunch of new people go and check out your channel thinking to themselves, this guy seems like a rare, sensible voice and end up subscribing. I know it's been painful from the standpoint of advertisers, but I find it difficult not to be amused by how poorly this worked out for the mob. Yeah, listen, I've said to people the entire tweet scandal regarding my tweet about the Nashville shooting and prayer and it getting all the way to Donald Trump Jr. posting about me and Candace Owens and others. David Pakman does not have a soul. He doesn't have a soul. Right. It would have been uniquely good were it not for the fact that people started harassing my dad and other people online. Right. And the, the, the death threats and all of it, it would have been uniquely good. Now that everybody's forgotten about it, a lot of the good is left. We've got like 40,000 new subscribers on YouTube and we had like a thousand people sign up for paid subscriptions on the website, all of that. Um, but yeah, it, Graham is right, which is to some degree this backfired on the right wing mob. Let's look at our subreddit user Radaj posted. I find it funny how failed former President Trump is touting Florida as third worst in the country for many things in his so-called statement stating how Florida is third worst in covid cases, third worst in covid deaths, third worst in crimes. Doesn't that strike anyone as no wonder since Florida is the third most populous state in the nation and no relevance whatsoever that Ron DeSantis was governor? Does he really think his followers are that dumb to take his claims without a grain of salt? Well, yeah, his followers are accepting those claims without questioning them. The reality about Florida is a very mediocre story. Now, I know people will write to me and say, but David, you go to Florida all the time and you talk about how great it is. I enjoy certain parts of Florida. That is absolutely true. I also am aware of the real covid numbers in Florida per capita. When you look at covid numbers per capita in Florida adjusted to the population, Florida is very mediocre. It's not nearly the worst death rate. And it's not nearly the lowest death rate. It's not nearly the worst case rate or that. It's just a mediocre state overall in many ways. There are parts of Florida that are doing well and parts of Florida that are doing less well. But economically, as far as education goes, as far as all these things, Florida is very mediocre. And what's funny is Trump used to talk about how great Florida was when he wanted to talk about how the, the approach to the pandemic from right wing states was better. Now he's saying Florida is terrible. It's the same Florida. It's just Trump's telling a different story about it from the YouTube channel. YouTube uh, user Douglas Ducote clown says MAGA now stands for my ass got arrested, which is funny. But then another user protest to a which I can only imagine means Second Amendment has a blistering conspiracy theory about the Trump arrest. This user says he was not arrested, didn't ride in a cop car, didn't get handcuffed. Dems just made the biggest mistake because they got nothing on him. It's already backfiring. We'll see. Well, yeah, we will see. That is a wild conspiracy theory that there really was no arrest. Of course, there was. There are real fair questions as to what will happen in the polling. Thanks to the arrest, it seems it's a little helpful for Trump in the Republican primary, but probably damaging in the general election if Trump makes it that far. But we will see. But Trump didn't really get arrested is really something else. One other note about the Trump arrest, and this is a really good point. 
Spicy Dragon posted, quote, I guess New York City isn't so big and scary as to keep the Republicans away. True. A bunch of these Republicans who always talk about how dangerous New York City is swarmed into the city for Trump's arrest. Ask how many of them were terrified or attacked while here? Did any of them actually go and show crime? I'm a lifelong New York City girl and have never been attacked, mugged or murdered yet, as far as I know. LOL. Yeah, I mean, listen, my experience in New York City is regularly one where I never even see crime. Obviously, big cities have crime. Uh, what is important, of course, is what are the crime rates? How do the crime rates uh, uh, separate from or contrast with the narrative about democratically led cities are the most dangerous. We know that's not true. We know about the red state murder problem. We know about all of these things. But it is interesting that there was not a single story. All of these Trump supporters who came into New York City for the arrest, not a single story of even witnessing a crime, never, never mind even being the victim of such a crime. And remember, the crime rate including property crime and violent crime is higher in Oklahoma City than it is in New York City. Those are the facts. They're not very convenient for many on the right. All right. We've got a great bonus show for you today. Sign up at joinpacman.com. When you do that, you really do get access to the bonus show instantly. Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. But everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad. Very much so. Use the coupon code 24 starts now. We'll see you on the bonus show or otherwise I'll be back with you on Monday.